Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all Depends on what's in it for them They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash Succeed or fail, it adds to the tale Dungeons and Debuckles starts now Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debuckles podcast I'm your host and Dungeon Master Kevin Going around the table, John Hello I play a Lunadas, Elven Monk They call him Pickled eggs, because he makes people thirsty. <laughs> oh, good lord! What? <laughs> no, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, I just... I'm Blake, and I play Juliet, the dragonborn eldritch knight slash wizard. And Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia, the human rogue. And Shane. I'm Shane, playing Alexander, the human bard. And Anna. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm gonna be playing um, Vikala Alevimator, a paladin of Loth. All right, uh, so this is going to be a level up episode since uh, our characters have gone from level six to level seven. We haven't done one of these in a while, and it's always a good opportunity for a refresher about who these cats are. They look like what their builds are, and so on and so forth. So uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, Hannah. Tell us uh, about Talia. Um, so Talia's a 12-year-old girl. She's about, I, how, I think she's five, uh, four, uh, six, four, seven right now. Uh, about 80 pounds, maybe. Very scrawny, though she's gaining some weight ever since... Uh, Discovering ice cream. Discovering ice cream and also, you know, being fed on a regular basis because that's actually really important um, to uh, a growing child is to eat on a daily basis. Um, She has tan skin because she's always been outside. Um, uh, Gray, blue eyes, I think. Yeah, gray, blue. (laughs) It's right there. Um, And dark blonde hair. And when I say dark blonde, like, you know that color of, like, dishwater after you've done, like, half the dishes? that color it's it's a very unpleasant color but it's it's the color of her hair and she likes it um she is a human uh she is a rogue she doesn't have i'm I'm going off of the my my notes here and it specifies like what god does she worship she doesn't really worship a god she kind of worships herself um which i think is totally fine for a 12 year old that's healthy and everything i think that checks out (laughs) and Right, uh, like I said, she's neutral. She's neutral evil. She uh, she's from Carnley originally. She uh, she grew up in an orphanage there after um, her parents tragically died, uh, or at least her mother did. But I don't think we've heard anything about her father, so that might you know pop up at some point. She uh, her biggest flaws are that like she she's suspicious of literally everything. Uh, she doesn't trust people easily. Um, the p- few people she does trust, uh, she, it, like, if they were to ever give her a reason to question that, I, she would probably not trust them ever again. Um, so, like, she trusts, 
uh, for better or worse, she trusts Alunidas and she trusts Juliet, and that's about it. She's starting to kind of like, oh my god, Alexander, Alexander. <laughs> and and Vic. Um, I don't know why I can't remember Alexander's name. I've been playing for like a year and a half in this campaign, um, but she's she's starting to kind of like Alexander, and she she kind of likes Vic, but she's still not a hundred percent sure on either of them. Despite the amount of time that she's spent with Alexander, probably has something to do with that creepy dagger he has that she knows nothing about other than it's creepy. Or no, she does now. He explained it. And she's she's really she's really grown in the campaign. Uh, she's kind of come into herself. She's kind of her character has really started to define itself. She's very um, very independent, very willing to do things just for her own entertainment. Um, for those who don't know, she is currently starting a collection of heads, uh, skulls specifically of different species. So she uh, <clears throat> just because she can. It's not creepy at all for a 12-year-old, I promise. Um, and so that's kind of like, that's that's her background, that's how she's grown, I think. she She's really started to like, figure out who she is and what she wants to do. Which is kill things and collect their skulls. The choices I made for leveling up, getting into the technicals. At level 7, I gained evasion, which is pretty sweet. Uh, beginning at level 7, you can nimbly dodge out of the way of certain area of effects such as Dragon's Fiery Breath or an Ice Storm spell. When you're subjected to an effect that allows you to make a Dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage ex if you succeed on the saving throw and only half damage if you fail, which is fantastic because she has almost died to like three different AoEs. So that's something awesome that she gained at level 7. Uh, she also gained a couple of spells, since she is an arcane trickster. Um, I got rid of Illusory Script. That's what it was, because uh, it's not on my spell sheet anymore. Um, I got rid of Illusory Script, which we never really used. Like, I thought it might be useful, and then it, it didn't pop up. And instead, because at level 7 she gets a level 2 spell, uh, she picked up, she swapped out Illusory Script, She's she was allowed to swap out one spell for another, and then she gains a spell. Um, so she picked up Darkness and Mirror Image, both of which are quite interesting. Mirror Image, uh, three Illusory Duplicates of yourself appear on your space. Until the spell ends, the duplicates move with you and mimic your actions, shifting positions so it's impossible to track which image is real. You can use your action to dismiss the Illusory Duplicates. Each time a creature targets you with an attack during the spell's duration, roll a d20 to determine whether an attack targets one of, uh, one of your du duplicates instead. If you have three duplicates, you must roll a six or higher to change the uh, attack's target to a duplicate. Two duplicates, you must roll an eight or higher, and one duplicate, you must roll an eleven or higher. So in other words, I roll the d20, and if, it's, if there's three out and I roll like a seven, then they target one of them instead of me. Um, as soon as uh, a duplicate's AC is 10, um, equals 10 plus your dexterity modifier, uh, which would make them dexterity modifier. Where are you? It's on the left plus side three. of the character sheet. Yeah, no, the the dexterity, I, I was looking at the wrong dexterity modifier, because oh. I was like, they can't possibly have higher AC than me. Yeah, no, I, they don't. Um, so they, they're, they're right now their dexterity, would or their uh, AC would be 13. If an attack hits a duplicate, the duplicate is destroyed. Uh, a duplicate can be destroyed only by an attack that hits it. It ignores all other damage effects, uh, damage and effects. The spell ends when all three duplicates are destroyed. 
A creature is unaffected by the spell if it um, if it can't see. It relies on senses other than sight, such as blind sight, um, or if it can perceive illusions as false as with, with as with true sight. Um, so I thought that would kind of be interesting in battle because not taking damage is fantastic, basically. Um, and then darkness, I cast uh, darkness, fifteen foot radius. Uh, spreads around corners, all that kind of stuff. I thought that might be a fun, since I have a cloak of the bat, that might be a fun escape uh, trick, because why not, right? I think that was basically all I got at level 7, so yeah. What's Talia's motivation for, like, being in this party and going along with this uh, ruin Naxus nonsense? Um, I mean, at first it was the food. Um secure place to sleep at night uh, <laughs> come for the food stay for the cult <laughs> right exactly uh, now it's work. more that she's it, I mean it really is no, no she, she was it, it's just like a, it's just like any cult really where she was not in a good place and these people were like hey we'll give you food and clothe you and uh, take you with us if you follow us and it's she's like yeah well, yep yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's let's get free food for as long as these people are stupid enough to feed me. And now it's very much uh, she's very attached to Juliet and Alunidas, and I don't think that she really gives a crap about rune access and all that kind of stuff. She's more along for the adventure because her parents have been replaced, essentially. She has new parents, and she wants to be with them Alright, uh, anything else you want to say about Talia? Oh, she, uh, I guess that's it. I mean, she's been training Abbott. Uh, he knows Crawl now, which is super exciting. And... You know, I think that's... I think that's really it. Is there anything I'm forgetting? I'm forgetting something, aren't I? Uh, I don't think so. Cool. We'll find out when it starts to stink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so John, tell us about a Lunardos. All right, a Lunardos, now level seven, which means he's now up to 63 hit points and seven key chi points per short rest. Uh, slow fall now prevents up to 35 points of falling damage, means he really has nothing to fear, up to 60 feet of falling. Wholeness of body now heals up to 21 points per long rest. And his deflect missiles is uh, D10 plus 11 damage uh, prevented which means he has nothing to fear from any normal missile once per round. As for new stuff, he got, like Talia, evasion. So um, success means no damage, failure means half damage on anything where a deck save allows for half damage. And he got stillness of mind, which means he can use an action to end one effect that would cause charm or frightened effects. And he just does it. Mm-hmm. It's an action. But yeah, he just does that, and he's no longer charmed or frightened. That's super handy. Oh, yeah. And I believe that is... I've been looking into all of his stuff, just trying to make sure everything is up to date. And yeah, that is everything he has that is new. And yeah, that is that is it for Alunidas. No new punchy stuff, no new movement stuff, no new other stuff like that. Gotcha. Tell us a little bit about Alunidas, like his racing class alignment. Description. Well, he is a wood elf. He is petite, uh, nutty brown skin, auburn hair. Um, well, actually, what well, naturally auburn. Now it's dyed 
poorly black, although that might have washed out when we went through the water to come into the fey. I don't know how that works. Anyway, he's a monk. He wears, you know, green robes embroidered with, you know, gold. Personality-wise, he is bad with people. Doesn't understand things that people do. People are weird and stupid. Confusing. He doesn't like them very much. Uh, he grew are up... Are you talking about and... Lunadas or you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, he grew up in a monastic compound uh, out in the wilderness, which doesn't necessarily explain why he's bad at people. He's just bad at people. Uh, and he was raised in the cult of Ruinaxis, so he is wholeheartedly a believer in everything that they do and is convinced that uh, necessary evils aren't all that bad because they are meant to overturn a greater evil that was done once upon a time. All right, so uh, what's your overall motivation here? Like I just said, he was raised in the cult of Ruin Axis. This is his life's work. Now, even if everyone else um, you know, were, were big jerks and betrayed everything, he would keep on going and try to kill them because they know too much. <laughs> like that conversation that you had with uh, Juliet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd probably try to get help because he knows that it would be difficult to kill Talia. But, yeah. So, uh, how has your character grown since uh, you started this campaign? Has he changed at all? Oh, yeah. In terms of me trying to roleplay him, yes. And also just in terms of things that he has, you know, he now has friends. He now has friend in Talia. <laughs> and acquaintances. And 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 a cart and a, a horse named Buttercup, and 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 he has learned a little bit about how the world works, which has served mostly to confirm his belief that the world is evil and needs to be changed. Talk a little bit about your uh, relationship with uh, the rest of the party, uh, like Talia. Well, we found this little thief, and it turns out that she's an absolute sweetheart, and now she is. Like a little sister slash daughter for Luno. And that is awesome. And he now has to help, gets to help, raise her along with Juliet. Although Juliet is like super weird. He doesn't he doesn't get her philosophy on parenting. She apparently doesn't like it when Talia murders people. Which I mean I that's what? I don't She's, she's an independent young woman. <sighs> Stop Talia stifling doesn't understand her, it either. Talia's finding her own truth. She has hobbies. It's good. By the by, I noticed you haven't met, put any of your skulls in the inventory, so we don't know what skulls you have. Um, I'm still listening through episode and, episodes and categorizing them. <laughs> 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 I know I have a nymph skull, um, a, a tabaxi skull... And that's that's all I've been able to listen through so far. So <laughs> I got you a that's dragonborn one, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, and Vic got me a dragonborn skull. I'll, have, yep. I'll add that to the <laughs> Wasn't yeah, the that's not uh, concerning at all? <laughs> wasn't the the tabaxi the pinch the first skull you got? I think it was. It was. Yeah, I, I was. I was very excited. Merry Christmas to you. Indeed. <laughs> Alexander, of course, is completely untrustworthy and will be the first to die in the event that anything goes wrong. 
because he'll be the weakest and easiest to kill because he's all about supporting other people. Get him by himself, boom. Also, he has that dagger, which makes him extra untrustworthy. So, watching you. As for Vic, she serves Lolth. Lolth is helping uh, ruin Axis, so that's cool. I mean, she's a meat eater, which less less cool, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we can get her to a, a healthier vegetarian diet. <laughs> I know that. All right. Anything else you want to say about Alina Das? I think that covers everything. And what's your alignment? I think neutral evil. Although possibly by typical definitions, he might be lawful good because he's serving the greater good. But yeah, neutral evil is what it's on this character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, let's talk about uh, Vicalia. I was actually hoping to do this um, in RP, as if having someone talk to me in your campfire. Uh, we can uh, do that. Just uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about her being a uh, a drow and uh, like what you can do, and you know what your motivations are and what your class features are. I mean, uh, the non-juicy part is that she's um, drow. There's a juicy part? There's a juicy <laughs> part. <laughs> um, she's a drow. She's a bit taller for an average drow, a bit of a bigger build, um, more athletic. She's technically a uh, lawful evil because she does follow rules in the name of Lolf and the drow society. She is a paladin, technically a reskinned uh, paladin of conquest, um, and she is able to smite people. She can sense creatures of sort. Um, she can summon her adorable warg mount. Um, she builds a really big sword, and overall, a pretty not average drought paladin <laughs> all right uh talk about like uh what you can do as a uh, paladin of conquest well as a paladin of conquest i have um a specific aura via my channel divinity ability that gives me the ability to fear certain enemies while i'm in combat and also make different auras to protect allies around me when they have trouble technically you have the ability to strike fear into enemies yep the ability to fear presence. enemies would be <laughs> uh yeah i mean you know it's like flavorly like the juicy part is you walk in you look menacing you make them fear like who you are in game it's uh like a 30 feet aura like, when they get close to you, they realize, oh, shit, that's a drow. They smell bad. Oh, I'm fearful. <laughs> yeah, but that's who she is. A paladin of conquest, um, a drow. She was born and raised um, in a monastery of a sort or, like, um, temple, I guess is a more correct term for worshippers of Lolf. She was sent on a mission to help them, to help the party, that is, um, achieve certain goals, to serve Renaxis and Lolf on the way. Um, like, I'm not sure where to save for the RP and where to save, um, to not give too many details, you know? Uh, well, you could talk a little bit about, um, like, the, uh, the Drow Society that you came from. 
Uh, you also, uh, you could tell us, uh, like, your physical description, like, what you look like. Yeah, she is, uh, taller, brow, with white hair, um, very light blue, almost white, um, eyes that tend to slightly glow in the dark. When she is very angry, they turn red, um, like, um, autodrows. She is very pretty because of the whole... Uh, drow society which I was talking about earlier they have this uh, thing of like selective breeding you know Uh, they only breed with the prettiest and the smartest and the strongest and they have this like innate narcissism I guess in them they're a bit racist anyone else is like um, it's gonna be horrible to say but I am Jewish so I'm gonna say it they're a bit like Nazis I guess they hate everybody that that's not them that checks out and even them they actually also hate themselves so uh, what kind of spells do you have I have um, the wonderful staple spell divine smite uh, which is after playing sorcerer before in other classes, I realized how absurdly OP that spell can be. <laughs> um, I have Find Steed, which helps me summon my work. Um, I have a Shield of Fate, which I can help other people improve their AC or mine. Uh, usually it's to save Illuminata's ass from danger, because he likes to jump in, I noticed. I have a bunch of different spells that are more oriented along um, supporting or CC, like helping me tank different things. Um, like, there's a lot of paladin spells, so I always kind of change them when we rest. But usually, the ones I keep using a lot is uh, Bless, Shield of Faith, um, I have Command for fringe cases I didn't get to use it yet um, hold person which is concentration and there's a lot of paladin spells that kind of takes the concentration slot um, and fight over it which is um, also the reason I have warcaster so I have advantage on concentration checks lesser restoration for healing a bit um, darkness obviously you know being edgy a drow um, and all the uh, draw staples like fairy fire and um, dancing lights and that's it really I don't really use too much spells as much as I just use like bashing stuff with my spear eh, my sword and spear sorry that's what I have spiritual weapon that's the best spell actually and I completely miss it it's the best yep Especially at higher levels. Besides that, um, what can I tell you more about my character? Like, I don't want to spoil stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm kind of scared of that. Uh, you also got terrible. a pretty, uh, pretty badass sword. That's um, actually... Um, it's a great sword of life-stealing. It's like meant to uh, kind of keep me more alive because... Um, sort of the main person that takes all the hit hopefully uh, to tank for everybody so if I get lucky I get some elf back and stand on my feet a bit longer um, I mean you know 
as much as you can like take as a tank with a group of five people and nobody else is a tank. So hopefully I'll hold. <laughs> Um, I do have an amulet of health for that too, increase my constitution, ring of mind shielding, which I hope Kevin forgets about so I can like have leverage on him when um, he does something crazy. Uh, yep, that's it really. Uh, did you talk about uh, like your personality traits, like your attributes and flaws? Well, She's a drill. Yeah, I don't care for anybody else. I just think I'm the best. Um, any other race is inferior. Any other religion is an insult to me. The only reason I even like acknowledge Renax's existence because Lolf does. Um, like I'd betray Renax in a heartbeat if Lolf said so. I kinda protect my temple that was growing, but then again, I like betray my own mom. Like, I don't care. I'd sell her if I could to get in better gear. Definitely suspicious and hateful of anybody I I know. I do have a spot, soft spot for specific, like, creatures that are, are of even lower intelligence than, like, uh, other humanoids. Like, uh, dogs, cats, um, not bunnies, like horses, though. But, um... It's the same way, like, when you see a dog wearing a sweater and he's like, Oh, you think it's people, but that's the same way I act to anybody else. That's not a draw. And even then, it's like, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't acknowledge Dragon Balls at all, by the way. She, I think they're she lizards. Did, she did want to eat yes. Abbott at one point. I mean, can you blame her? I mean, you know. Abbott, but Abbott's adorable. Cute enough to eat is like an expression. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it like this, she was traveling for quite a bit and then she has like out of rations and she's like, oh, cool, a walking sack of meat. She doesn't really care. <laughs> I, um, I mean, she sees you too, like the same way. But the thing is, you can fight back a dog barely. So, you know. Nice. If you fight back, she has to fix her armor, fix her hair, you know, it's messy. <laughs> Anything more I can tell about her without spoiling stuff. Okay. Um, yes, no, that's enough? No, nah, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> I Our shared a link uh, on Roll20 to the inventory stuff where you can see what everybody has and what's in the group sack so that you can see, like, we have probably know better than what you're already carrying. We have a great sword plus one that a paladin can use to cast divine favor once per day. Stuff like that. Mm, okay. Probably not as good as your great sword of life stealing, but I mean I was kinda cheating on getting that, so <laughs> <laughs> I was given a choice. Alright, uh still the links there you can see what we have. So uh Shane, let's talk about Alexander. Yep, I even have this handy-dandy notepad app up with all the information they asked for. Uh, so my character is Alexander the Human Bard. Uh, he was uh, an orphan from young. I'm pretty sure I'm using the word orphan wrong. It's just that his parents uh, kind of abandoned him whenever they were being chased by debt collectors. Um, and then afterwards, the debt collectors, since they couldn't find his parents, started to try and hound him for money. And so he started to run off and travel along the roads to not be caught by him 
pretty much following his parents' footsteps, I guess. And so he is, at the moment, evil. I believe he's evil neutral, I would say. I'm not exactly sure of the exact connotations between evil neutral and evil lawful. You sure he's not uh, lawful good? Sounds like hmm, a lawful good kind He's of definitely not lawful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would put him as evil neutral uh, as compared to earlier in the campaign. And then as of this level up, I am going to uh, notate Prologan. I don't know how to... I don't know how to pronounce the G-H-N sound. Uh, he's the god of horizons, distance, travel, and roads. As my patron god, I don't know if I'm using the word patron right, uh, but he's uh, unaligned. I'm having him as uh, Alexander's god of choice. And so with this level up, I have not much has really changed. Uh, I picked up Polymorph. I don't believe there's anything major that actually changed stat-wise. Um, or ability-wise. And then one of his attributes is that he usually hops onto the next best thing. He's not really, uh, he's not very loyal. If something better comes along, he's probably going to hop along with that. He's 5'11", 205 pounds, dirty, blondish, hairish. Like, uh, uh, Blake does my... Oh, Blake's not there. But the picture that shows up for on roll 20, it's pretty pretty accurate. And he has a mediumish build, and I think that's it. Is there anything else I'm missing out on, Kevin? So your motivation is basically um, you're just going with the flow, and whatever comes along that's better, you're going to roll with that. Yep, the grass is always greener on the other side, you know. How's your character like changed over the over time since the beginning of this campaign? Uh, his morals have gotten a lot looser. He's kind of learned to not. Not really a big fan of loyalty, as uh, shown by his abandonment and picking sides with his previous party uh, that Juliet was in. What What's your relationship with uh, Juliet and the uh, rest of the people in the party right now? Uh, I would say mutual benefit. Uh, we've all kind of been uh, strapped into the role of gathering the pieces uh, to bring back Ruin Axis, uh, which has kind of put us into a, a common purpose kind of aspect. I don't think anybody, I, I think everybody knows that they can't really trust Alexander with stuff because uh, he's the type of person to hop onto the next best thing, especially Juliet with her experience. Knows not to necessarily throw too much weight into my uh, my loyalty. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think uh, Alexander really has strong opinions of like Talia or Luna since they don't necessarily hinder him in any way. They're just there. Yep, just happy to be there. And uh, talk a little bit about uh, the dagger. Yeah, so the dagger's kind of interesting. I got accidentally, I picked it up and the demon kind of made home into my body. And so I have to feed it every so often. And I usually find some unlucky assailants to feed to it so that it doesn't uh, feed on me. And hopefully I'm able to at least get it off at some point. But right now uh, you're just rolling with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything better to do. It, it killed me once, and I got back, so hopefully it doesn't kill me again. And Technically, I'm pretty sure it was that wizard that killed you. Yeah, it was a fireball. Actually, that fireball just about got a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Alexander? Nope, I think I'm good. Does anybody got any questions about Alexander? 
you and, said and put him on the spot? Like, I don't want to spoil myself, you know? <laughs> I want to get to know him in RP. Okay. All right, so that uh, leaves Blake. Blake, tell us about Juliet. All right, so Juliet is a red dragonborn. She's currently classed as a fighter slash wizard. Her subclass for fighter is Eldritch Knight, and her subclass for wizard is Abjur, or Abjurationist, or whatever you want to call it. She follows Tiamat. She's lawful evil, although that is... I, I am certain that may change sometime soon, because she's been rather nice lately. Um, and she kind of... She's very tall. She's about 6'2 and large. I promised my friend Dylan that I would say that she is basically a snoo. What is a right? snoo? Have you, you guys know what snoo snoo is, right? The idea behind no. a snoo is that it, no, you don't know what snoo snoo no. is. Oh my god! I do. Okay, at least one person reference? does. Yeah, it's yeah, Futurama, Futurama reference. Uh, there's a a race of Amazons who are these like large, mm, huge women, and what's that? Fucking snoo snoo is fucking. Yes, yes. But the thing is, like, to say that someone is a snoo is that they are one of, like, these Amazon women. They are a large, um, just muscular person, tall. I promised my friend I would say that because he, he really likes that word. I don't know why, <laughs> but... <laughs> he likes it because it's cool because nobody else knows what it is. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people seem to know. Yeah, I know. I urban dictionaryed it. <laughs> Aren't you sorry you did that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's uh, your description. Tell us, uh, give us a little bit ba uh, background on Juliet. So Juliet used to run in a street gang in her young youth, but then that kind of transformed into a town guard role that she was able to kind of sell out her gang and get into. For that, she's she's been she go she goes and is a town guard like as a job, but really enjoyed the idea of magic and loved to learn. So she would go to the library every day and so on and so forth. And when the party, the old party, was given the opportunity task to go out and basically find out more about these savior artifacts and help and stuff, Juliet was very excited about that. Unfortunately, things didn't turn out quite the way Juliet had thought they were, and seeing a critical hit from Sesh was enough to make her not want to try and fight him, and instead join him. Alexander made the same decision as well, so she kind of got dragged into this, and it's kind of like a train that's headed for a crash, and you can't get off of it. That's that's how Juliet feels right now with that. Um, she's very curious about magic, which was great for the Isle of Insight. She actually loved that. She actually considered just kind of abandoning the whole thing and staying there as a student, but wasn't certain that would work out well at all. That's uh, basically her background kind of thing. All right, and uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, so you, where are you from? Uh, Julia is from Kala. I, I don't know if, I guess I did not mention that. Um, the very first place where the party started. And uh, there's sort of uh, something happening in Kala right now that uh, pertains to you. That That is correct. Um, Juliet's family, at least this is what has been said, has been imprisoned 
Um, there's like a whole crackdown on Red Talon and Red Talon related people. So right now, Juliet's family, as far as you know, is kind of jailed. And she's very, very concerned about that. She very much values family and her family is very precious to her. Even though they maybe haven't been the nicest to her, she has kind of been the odd one out since she's not aiming to make tons of coin, which is kind of what the family wants her to do. But there's still that huge concern. Juliet would love to go back to Kala and see what's up, see how she can protect her family. But that doesn't look like it's in the cards anytime soon. All right, so that goes towards uh, how your character's kind of grown during this campaign. You uh, you talked about that, how your character has changed since the uh, the very beginning. Um, what's your relationships like with the uh, the rest of the characters? All right, so I'll, I'll go through the list. We'll go Alexander. Alexander. So this is kind the, of I kind of imagine this as like you know the uh, the the talking head, like when you cut away from like Survivor and it's the one on one interviewer in your booth. <laughs> <laughs> where you start shit talking the other characters and you're just like on Pretty one much. finger going down <laughs> three hands. Like this guy and this guy and this guy counting on fingers, but go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Alexander um was also a town guard, like Juliet. And no, he the wasn't. two of what's that? No, he was just sitting in the tavern, got recruited. Was he? I then yeah, who was, it was the uh, town guard. Tibbet. Was we that killed? Caleb? No. Uh oh, okay. Right, right. Then, uh, you will never hear the end of that. John's first character. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, you picked the wrong side. For some reason, I thought I Alexander was this town guard. Um, but either way, Juliet like doesn't know anything about him, and he offers very little information. So he's very much a wild card in her eyes. Kind of a threat, but a boon. But with the dagger, she's kind of leaning towards, uh, you know, maybe maybe we don't need this guy quite as much as uh, we used to. Then we have Alunados. Alunados is an interesting situation uh, for two reasons. The first reason is that he is like a dangerous necessity. He is a dangerous individual who is a basically a cultist. I know you'll take offense to that, John, but it's true. No, he is a sincere follower of a true religion. So a cultist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a member of a cult that doesn't believe that they are a sincere follower of a true religion. <laughs> Bigot. Melodia. <laughs> Bigots. <laughs> so he, yes, he is a, a very violent, very dogmatic individual whose mind is going to be basically impossible to change so Juliet like doesn't like being on this train ride like I said earlier and Alunadas isn't going to let her off <laughs> so even though he's helped kind of the party survive Juliet has not been super keen on him although um Talia likes to ship Juliet and Alunadas, which I so much. I think it's so funny. I think it's entertaining. I even made a little comic about it. I might put that up for you guys. You should. It's glorious. It, it was pretty funny. Uh, I enjoyed drawing that. And then moving on from that, speaking of the shipper, we have Talia. Talia is they they found her in Carnley 
as kind of like this beggar girl. And Juliet kind of took pity on her um, along with the rest of the party. We, you know, she's a starving child. She stole from us, but, you know, what's that? Not Adel. <laughs> Adel no. does not take pity. Adel is not. Adel wanted to kill yeah. her at the, like the very start of meeting her. Like, let's just kill her. Like, really? That's your response? Sounds like Adel. Thankfully, thankfully, we no longer have to deal with him um, trying to kill you. That is true. But Juliet has really come to love Talia in like a mother-daughter relationship kind of thing. Juliet doesn't have children and she's kind of at that age where she wants them. So Talia is like her precious child that she gets to like care for and stuff. And she lets her kind of run loose. She's not super strict. It's not like she's taking away her dessert or anything because her her family was pretty strict. (laughs) So she's okay with Talia, you know, running amok a little bit. Although she's very skeptical of the health like that having those skull harvesting murderous urges she's not entirely sure that's really healthy for her does i mean does it need to be healthy why don't you want talia to have fun jeez (laughs) come on mom (laughs) (laughs) and then the last party member is vikala and vikala is an interesting thing because even though she's basically a drow and there's a lot of person i did not say a thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you said you she made was that up. Thing. You absolutely said thing. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I said it's an interesting thing. So uh, yeah, if you wanna, you wanna make that even worse for me. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not gonna metagame you. <laughs> so, Vikala is a drow, and she's very much an evil drow. That much is pretty obvious. But Juliet actually likes her a lot because. Not only does, is she another female to kind of add to the whole thing, she's also very much a, a commanding presence with a lot of, like... badonk donk Well, <laughs> no, that was not what I was going to say, but if that's your canon, then I, don't, I can't stop you, John. <laughs> no, she has this, like, self-assurance and conviction that's really strong in an admirable way that doesn't seem like it's going to end up killing everybody like John's is or Lunadas's is. Well, so she, she would betray you in a heartbeat. And I'm no I'm idea. sure it will happen. And I'm sure Juliet will come to learn that that is not the case, that the conviction is very similar to a Lunadas's. And skip it. <laughs> So yeah, that's where Juliet stands with the party. All right, and uh, what did you get that was cool at your level? All right, so since I've multi-classed, I haven't had the chance to get an ability score increase until this level. And I used it to increase my strength and intelligence, which boosts both of them up by plus one. I had odd scores in both of those. I was considering taking a feat, but I couldn't find any that were super useful. Uh, or at least super helpful in the same way. Just having that extra oomph was a lot better. I also got, because I took a ca- uh, level in Wizard, I got two third level spells. I chose Counter Spell, which lets me, as a reaction, counter any third level or lower spell. Or I can make an ability check to counter something that's a higher level. 
and Thunderstep, which is like a teleport that leaves behind a loud boob and 3d10 lightning damage. Or thunder damage? I think it's thunder damage. But uh, you can also bring one creature along when you teleport. So I'm expecting to see more spell casters, so I took Counterspell to kind of stop that since I don't have anything to stop spell casters. And Thunderstep is because the party people keep falling and Julia can walk up to them, grab them, teleport them away, and we have a better chance of survival. All right. Uh, is that it? Yes, that is it. All right. Anything else you want to say about Juliet? Um, not that I can think of. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, probably a pretty good place to end it and uh, hope to be doing more of these soon as we level up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. The music you heard on this episode was Teller of the Tells by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.